Welcome to Corestruction, a show about the missions, activities, and employees of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Today I'm joined by Park Ranger Joshua Springer of the Lake Eufaula Project Office. Joshua, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. So Joshua, when you were four years old, you, you nearly drowned. That is correct, yeah. So tell us about what happened with that experience. So this was back in uh, my hometown of Silent Springs, Arkansas. I had my family pool or my parents' pool. I was about four years old. Um, we were just having a good time, me and my three sisters. I think my youngest sister is probably about two, so I think my mom was watching her. And I decided it would be fun to get up on the uh, one of those inflatable beach balls. And at the time, because I was only four, I didn't wasn't a very good swimmer, didn't know how to swim, never took swimming lessons. And the wind or something carried me over to the deep end, which is about eight feet deep. And, of course, what does a four-year-old do when they can't swim? They start freaking out, thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going to fall in. So that makes you fall in. I fell in, uh, started to go under. Um, my One of my older sisters jumped in to help, you know, try to save me. And <clears throat> that's what we always teach people when we go to schools and stuff. Don't go in and try to help them. Because what happens is, you know, that person, they're fighting for their life. You know, they're not really aware of what's going on. All they know is they want to get up and out of the water so they can breathe. And it's like an instinct. And so when my older sister, Jessica, jumped in, first thing I did was start grabbing her hair and trying to climb over on top of her just to get out of the water. Almost drowned her in the process. And my oldest sister, who's probably about nine or ten at the time, jumped in, saved both of us, got us close enough to the wall we were able to grab on. And that all happened and before even, like, my mom had even noticed anything was going wrong. You know, almost lost two kids before she even knew anything was going to happen. You know, it had happened. And that, that's interesting because it goes to show just how quickly something like that can happen. Yeah. yeah. So for drowning, you know, kids can drown, you know, on average about 20 seconds is all it would take. An adult is only about a minute. I mean... You can think, you know, a parent with four kids, you know, 20 seconds, that's nothing. If you're looking at a two-year-old, trying to keep them calm, 20 seconds, if you're not looking at all of them, or you don't have somebody, you know, a water watcher or something like that, somebody watching everybody, it can happen pretty quick. So for people who have, especially people who have pools, if you have children, um, what's your advice on that? And when you have small children, particularly small children, and you have a swimming pool? So, I mean, there's, I mean, you can, of course, you, you know, having gates or lock, you know, lock gates and stuff like that that aren't climbable would be good. It's a good idea to have just, but if you are there swimming with them, you know, just having somebody who's dedicated specifically, they call them water watchers, somebody just dedicated, all they're going to do is they're watching the kids, making sure nothing happens while the other parents are, you know, dealing with other things or, you know, relaxing or something like that. Now you said you were you were floating on like a beach ball, mm-hmm. um, and you were in this in the in the small in, in the um, the shallow the end. shallow yeah. end yeah and and so like you just ended up floating on and didn't mm-hmm. realize it right and do how did did you did that memory like stick with you in such a way that as you grew up did it result in you being afraid of the water at all or did you have any reservations about the water after that? or 
You know, surprisingly, no. I'm still, I, I enjoy being out in the water. I go out on the lake all the time. I think the way it's affected me is, you know, I'm a lot more aware. You know, I'm always, always have something around me that I can grab onto and float with. You know, if I'm swimming around the boat, I usually have a type four next to me if I'm not wearing a life jacket. Um, on the boat, of course, I'm always aware, you know, you should always be wearing a life jacket when you're out on the boat. Um, but being afraid of water, I'm, you know, I still enjoy being out in the water. And you're always with people when you're, always, when you're yeah. out on the boat, yeah. right? You should always swim with a buddy. Right. How did your parents react to that situation? Did... Um, I, I don't recall exactly how they reacted to it other than in that moment, you know, you know, getting us all the pool and, you know, after that, it's like, all right, pool time's done, you know, for the day. Um, but as you know, after that, I'm not sure because we moved from that house and we didn't have a swimming pool anymore, like maybe a year or so later. Mm-hmm. So do you think that played any role in their decision to buy a house that didn't <laughs> have a pool? <laughs> I think there's a lot more things that played into it because they moved out to the country. I think they wanted to right. get out of the city and stuff. So, right. Did, uh, did you ever have conversations with them about it? Have you ever talked to them about that, that event? No, not, not too much, actually. No, I don't think I really have, you know, talked to them that much. I think they, they know that that's why I like being a park ranger and, you know, dealing with water safety because, you know, having those incidences in my life near drownings. So how, uh, we're about to, we're about to be in Memorial Day weekend as we're recording this. So what, what, uh, what advice do you have for people? as far as uh, water safety goes? Well, the you know, the main thing is, you know, always wear your life jacket. I mean, 90% of the people who drown did not have a life jacket on. I mean, that's one simple thing that could easily increase your chance of not drowning. Yeah, I mean, like short of not going anywhere yeah. near water ever, that's and probably the, the, the single greatest thing you can do, right? Exactly. And the, the majority of people who drown don't expect to be in the water. I mean, mm. be it, you know, they fell off the boat or... There's, you know, fishing on a dock and they slipped or something. Most people don't expect to go in the water when they drown. So they weren't even swimming a lot of times? Well, so at like core lakes and stuff. But oh, okay. They you know, they're out fishing or on their boat or, you know, at the dock or something like that. And they didn't expect to go in. But. Right. They were, they were expecting to mostly stay dry. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's, it's, it's a challenge getting people to listen to that message and have you have you discovered when you tell them about your experience that it impacts them? For children, no. But with children, they also have that regulation there. You know, if you're 12 or under in the state of Oklahoma, you're required to be in a life jacket when you're underway on a vessel. Uh, when it comes to adults, especially men, you know, 18 to 35, I believe, is yeah. the most you know, at-risk group. Most at-risk, you know. And those are also the kind of people, you know, we're, and I'm in that group too, so we're invincible, you know, you know, it's not going to happen to us, you know, we're just out enjoying the day fishing, you know, it's not going to happen to us. And then, you know, something happens, but, you know, just tell them, you know, just wearing your life jacket, cause you, you could fall off the boat and hit your head on the side of it. And, you know, if you're not wearing a life jacket and you go unconscious, nothing's holding you up out of the water. Yeah. And, and that's, I guess, another reason why it's so important to have one that fits properly. Too, yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. Cause like if you end up unconscious, you know, I mean, if it's a little big and you're conscious and you're an adult, you, you might be able to make do with that, you know. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you're unconscious, 
you know, it, it, it might go up and you might slump down, right? You yeah, know. that's something. So we do water safety events at schools all the time, and that's something I always like to show. I always get, you know, a big, extra-large life jacket and put it on a little scrawny kid. And you say, well, if she falls in the water or he falls in the water, and I'll have them lift their arms up, and you can pull, and, I mean, it'll come right up off of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, kids laugh and stuff. But, you know, it's just to prove, you know, just because you're wearing a life jacket doesn't – and you know, if it doesn't fit, you might as well not be wearing it at all because right. you fall in, it might slip off. And, um, and then with that, we also talk about, you know, the type one, you know, the different types. Because if you're wearing a type three, which is kind of like the ski vest sort of looking one, if you go unconscious, there's nothing there to support your head. Like a type one or type two has kind of the horse collar looking ones. Mm-hmm. If you go unconscious, that kind of keeps your head out of the water. Whereas those type threes don't really do a very good job of that. So there are three types? There are five types. There are five? Yeah. Can you go through them and and kind of talk about the differences between them? So type one is going to be one of them. It's going to be pretty bulky, and it's going to have kind of that horse collar shape to it. At least that's what I call it. I don't know how else to describe it. But it's going to have a lot of reflective material. It's going to be real bulky. It's more offshore, like cruise ships and stuff are going to have them. You're you're only really going to use them if you're out in the ocean. But they're probably the safest type of life jacket you can wear. Type 2 is kind of a slimmed down version of that. And that's usually what most people see at our loner, life jacket loaner stations that are boat ramps and swim beaches. Um, and those have that kind of neck support behind your head so that if you do go unconscious, it keeps your head up out of the water. <clears throat> type 3 is that kind of vest looking one. We call them ski vest or something along that nature. And those... They look cool. You know, there's a lot of them. You'll see different designs and stuff on them, but they don't have that support behind your head or that flotation behind your head to help keep your face out of water, which is, you know, the most important thing to do to prevent drowning is keep your face out of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have your type four, which is we call type four, type four throwables. Um, so a lot of them, people use them as seat cushions or something, and they're not mm-hmm. seat cushions. They're PFDs, personal flotation devices. You know, they're throwables so if someone's out in the water and they need help one of the first things you can do is throw something to them um do those do you need to keep a uh a rope on them so if you miss them you can get it back yeah <laughs> you can um i don't think you're required to you are required to keep one yeah if your vessel is oh i think 16 feet so that that's just like a single piece of whatever the flotation material is, essentially? Yeah, a lot and, of them are, the ones you're usually going to see. It's like a pillow almost. Yeah, looks, seat, like you said, a seat cushion. cushion. Then you have the rings and stuff. Those are type fours. Okay. Uh, anything that is inherently buoyant that you can throw is considered a type four. Okay. Um, then type five is kind of like a miscellaneous special use class. That's what us rangers will usually wear. The inflatable yeah, ones? Yeah, the inflatable ones. Just because they're cooler physically cooler because especially if we're out patrolling like we will be this weekend right um you know hot summer days you're having a type two or type three on it gets pretty warm pretty quick a lot of fishermen will wear them but those are the ones that if you fall in most of them have it come in a dial like a pressure dial they'll notice that you're underwater and they'll inflate automatically or they have a pull cord Uh, that way you know they have co2 cartridge in them that'll inflate as soon as it detects water or whatever, or is it just the pressure from being under? It can be the pressure. I think it might have a dial in there that gets wet. can do it. Oh, uh, okay. But then, the, you know, there's that second thing you can do if that doesn't go off is pull that cord. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't go off, there's a 
kind of a rip area where you can rip it open and there's a straw right that you can blow it up yourself like a like a a, a bcd buoyancy control device oh, for okay. like scuba divers or whatever you know you've got like the little thing you can typically mm-hmm. blow on if, yeah. if you're uh if it doesn't automatically inflate when you're pushing the button on yeah, it. yeah. okay yeah I, I don't know what class those count as or <laughs> the 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 buoyancy control devices i don't know if they count as a particular class but i don't know if those would be a pfd or not <laughs> that's like the main type five you're going to see there's other Kind of like puddle jumpers is what some people call them. I don't know how to explain them. Small airplanes. Well, it's like a jumper. Yeah, it's a type of life or PFD. I don't. It almost looks like it's got floaties on it, but then like some flotation on the front. Usually toddlers and stuff will wear them. Those are considered special special use. Okay. And now are all those types Coast Guard approved, or how does that? Did is it is that just a whole different thing? Uh, I don't know if the types themselves are. Coast Guard approved, but the life jackets themselves, like if you're going to wear them, they should, they have to be Coast Guard approved. Okay. To sell them? I mean, if, if you're buying Coast I don't know about selling them. Yeah. But like if you're going to, so if we do a vessel check on you, mm-hmm. we're going to look, make sure that those life jackets are Coast Guard approved. Okay. Because they're required to be. So if you got five people on your boat, you're required to have at least five personal yeah. flotation devices that are Coast Guard approved. Right. Okay. And then depending, you know, if the boat's 16 feet or over, it has to have at least one Type 4. Okay. Then we'll check for fire extinguishers and noise-making devices. Um, yeah, I, I was just wondering, you know, you go to you go to a place where it's a tourist attraction, you know, where they have a lake, where they have uh, ocean, or they have something like that, or, you know, kids' uh, indoor water park type setup, you know, where they have a pools. Um and, you know, around those types of areas, you often see the, I, I don't know. I mean, from growing up on the East Coast, you know, in Florida, they have, mm-hmm. like, the surf shop type place or whatever. It's, like, the beach shop, and there's towels and kids, you know, kids' flotation devices and all sorts of other spray paint shirt or whatever, you know, air mm-hmm. spray shirts or whatever. Um, and, and people who, who've been to Florida or some other, you know, coastal towns probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I was just thinking, you know, if you go into one of those stores, that's something I guess you need to be checking on to make sure that if they're selling, you know, uh, if you need one in a pinch Mm -hmm. and you need to buy one before you take your kids out to the the pool, right. You need to be checking to make sure it says U S coast guard approved. Is that a particular appearance? Does it have a, that, that approval sticker or something? Yeah, it'll have a, it'll have it in writing on the inside of a life jacket. Okay. It'll say U.S. Coast Guard approved, type one, type two, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then getting onto the whole, you know, if you're in a pinch and you're going out, we do have life jackets that we loan out. We have loaner stations, as we call them. Mm-hmm. And it's got plenty of type twos is usually what we'll put up there. So we'll have some type threes. And those are all Coast Guard approved. And that's one of those, oh, we forgot to bring a couple more life jackets. We have a couple more people than we thought. We'll grab these for the day, come back, you know, put them back, let the next people use them. We would much appreciate it if you did bring them back, but we're not real. <laughs> right. You know, I don't, I'd rather people take them and use them than yeah, not then, take them at all and need right. them, you know. Yeah, I mean, it would be awful if there was a situation where you, you know, walked right by the loaner board and ended up needing one and had a situation especially, mm-hmm. you know, where somebody on the boat, particularly the person who didn't have one, and then, it, you know, get a ticket on top of that, right? Like, yeah. 
And because it's not just you guys patrolling the lake a lot of time, right? No, there's OHPs out there also. Oklahoma Highway Patrol. They have a lake, lake patrol division. Uh, Oklahoma Department of Wildlife. They'll be out there every once in a while. Of course, they're, they're usually looking for different stuff than we are. Right. They're more hunting or hunting and fishing violations, but they can they can do the same stops we do about, you know, make sure you have everything you're required to have on your boat. Have you had to re- respond to any drowning since you've been here? I have. Um, well, so back in 2020, the summer 2020, I had to go out and respond there at uh, Eufaula Cove. Uh, Andy Free, age oh, yeah. nine. Carbon monoxide poisoning caused him to fall off the boat and drown. So I had to respond to that one. Um, I've so had you responded to. to well, that. I got. I mean, it went I mean, over. You were one of the people. Yeah, I was there at the boat ramp. Yeah, I didn't go out. On, I wasn't out on the boat or anything. You know, trying right. to re- recover the body, but I was there. You know, responding to it. You know, trying to give my support and stuff. I've been out on the. We call it our drag boat, mm-hmm. where if there's someone's drowned. And they haven't floated up or anything. They'll That's usually recovery. Yeah, body recovery, where we have our drags with hooks and stuff on them, trying to we're dragging the bottom of the lake, trying to catch them, pretty much. You know, bring them up, bring them up. Um, that's always kind of a sick feeling to do that. And when you have the family there at the shoreline, you're like, I almost don't want to bring this body up because I don't, you know, I don't want to see that or deal with that. But I also want to, you know, do it as soon as possible because yeah. you they want closure. Yeah, the family wants closure. Um, I have not, you know, recovered a body yet. I've been on multiple drags. It seems like every time we'll do a shift change, it'll be like <clears throat> an hour later, they'll recover. It's like, wow. You know, if I'd been out there one more hour, we probably recovered them. Yeah. Uh, how does that affect you guys when you have to go on one of those? Like you were talking about that sick feeling, but. Yeah. I mean, I haven't personally, you know, other than, I think kids is probably the worst. You know, having to deal with, you know, a dead child or passed away child and seeing the parents' reactions and stuff, that's probably the worst part of it. Um, It can, it sucks, you know, it can suck pretty bad. Just the feelings of it. And, you know, knowing that we're going out there trying to spread this message of water safety, trying to prevent it. You know, it's feel like, you know, well, is it working, you know? Because we've already had two drownings you fall already. This this uh, season? This year, I mean. This, uh, this, fis- this fiscal year or fis- current calendar year? Current calendar year. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that can kind of bring, <clears throat> bring you down a little bit. But then you see, you know, you go out there and you see kids on life jackets, or with life jackets on, and you see kids will come up to you, hey, you came to our school and talked to us, and we saw Bobber the water safety dog, and, I always wear my life jackets, and I tell my parents to wear their life jackets, and then that kind of just brings you back up, and you're like, okay, this is worth it. This is definitely worth it. When you when you um, when you nearly drowned, you said you nearly took your sister down with you. Um, did she uh, make you pay for that <laughs> after you got out? Was yeah. she pretty mad at you? Oh yeah, we've always been feuding me and her, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that was. She's me because we're the middle children, so right, we're yeah. always button heads, right? On who's going to be the black sheep of the family, kind of thing. But yeah, she forgive you. Oh yeah, <laughs> eventually, eventually. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. 
she got me back some way or another. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that is that is something that you know. I mean, people when you're when you're drowning, and, and it's not you know you're not trying to hurt anybody. You just you, you're I guess especially for kids, you know. I guess even adults, it happens with adults. But you know, you're just trying to climb out, right? And yeah, you're just finding whatever you can. I mean, you are dying. You're about to die. I mean, your brain is just instinctually. I need to get up and out of the water so I can breathe, mm-hmm. so I don't die. So, someone jumps in to save you. That's just you know an obstacle for you to you know pull right. down and you know get up. And so when we go to schools, we teach them reach, throw, row, don't go. Yeah, don't jump in. Yeah. yeah. So you know if they're close, you can reach for them with a stick or something or other. If they're a little further out, throw something like a PFD or mm-hmm. uh, you know type four, preferably. Uh, then row. You know if they're even further away from that. Um, you know, you row your boat to them. You kind of get closer to them to where you can reach or throw. But always tell them don't go, you know, just because that's what can happen. You know, you can have two drownings instead of one, mm-hmm. especially if it's a kid that's adults, you know, they, they can make kind of decisions on their own about whether or not they feel safe to jump in the water and try to save somebody. But kids, we try to tell them do not go, you know, try to find a parent or a teacher, mm-hmm. somebody who's you know, probably strong enough to be able to go in and Know, help them right give them a life jacket or something yeah i mean a parent is probably going to go after their kid yeah of course and yeah. i wouldn't blame them for that i wouldn't fault they probably should you know yeah but probably should have a life jacket or something that you're with you too yeah they, even with your kid though. Yeah. yeah i mean i've heard stories about people being like a father rescuing a kid and then even, even though the kid had a life jacket mm-hmm. on um and then being so worn out from it that he lost him. You know, he got the kid mm-hmm. back on the boat and couldn't get back on himself and just, I don't know, he just, you know, he was just worn out. Well, and that was kind of how we got in contact was me and Stacy Reese were at the National Water Safety Conference, and we were speaking to a lady there whose husband had jumped in to save somebody else, saved them, and then the rip current pulled him out. Wow. And so he passed away because of that, or he drowned because of that. And so I was telling them, well, yeah, that's why we always teach kids, you know. And then I went through my story, and Stacy's like, hmm, I'm going to have to do something about that story. So, mm-hmm. um, We're about to hit probably the busiest weekend of the season. One of them, yeah. One of them, yeah. There's typically this one, 4th of July, and then I guess Labor Day, Labor Day is the last. Yeah. And- Labor Day is kind of the last hurrah. Yeah. Uh, but but Memorial Day, everybody's trying to get the winter out of their system. Yeah, right. Yep. So, um, what what are you all going to be out there looking for during the holiday weekend? What are the rangers at various lakes, especially that you follow? What are you going to be looking for? What are you going to be doing? So most of what we'll be doing is patrolling the parks. You know, if anybody has any questions, we'll do some visitor assistance. You know, helping them with reservations. Um, any questions they have, uh, we'll be checking boat ramps and making sure that they've paid, you know, their day's boat ramp fee. Uh, we'll do water patrol or lake patrol. We'll go out there and do vessel safety vessel checks, drive around some of kind of the big areas that people kind of congregate at, some of the party coves and stuff like that. We'll hand out some Frisbees or something like that that have our water safety message on. Um, and just kind of spread the whole, you know, let's all have fun, but let's all be safe while we do it. How big a role does alcohol play in, in drownings? I think it's a quarter of fatalities for drowning are alcohol-related. I wouldn't quote me on that. I think it's 25% and 24% about that. Of course, you know, 
alcohol and boating never mix. Right. You know, it's the same as, you know, drinking alcohol and driving a car. You just get a BUI instead of a DUI. Right. Yeah. So you're not supposed to have alcohol on a boat, beer on a boat. Well, you shouldn't be operating it under the influence of alcohol. Okay. Of course, you know, if you're out in Party Cove or at the Cut or something here at follow, you're out, you know, just sitting on the boat, mm-hmm. anchored up or something. So the operator needs to be sober, needs to be not drinking. Yeah. Okay. So there are other items you're supposed to have on your boat, like noise-making devices, um, so tell us about what people need to have on their boat and why they need to have those items on their boat. Okay. Like a whistle, right? Or Yeah. So like first we've gone over life jackets quite a bit. You know, you should always have one life jacket for every person on board. Um, and that's readily accessible too. I mean, we've stopped boats and say, hey, we need, you know, there's six of you. Everyone pull up a life jacket and they've had to pull out their keys and unlock a, you know, one of them lockers on their boat. And you're like, yeah, that doesn't count because if you fall in the water, you're the one with the keys. Yeah. Who's going to be able to get that life jacket to throw it to you? <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, so you should have a life jacket for every person. Um, boat 16 feet or bigger, it needs, it's required to have a Type 4 throwable, so a life ring or one of the, the seat cushion sort of uh, life or PFDs. And then you know, you're just required to have a fire extinguisher. You know, if you have an inboarded or if you have uh, permanently you know, clamp down fuel required to have a fire extinguisher, which most boats, they all have those. So right. pretty much every boat you're required to have a, a fire extinguisher, a noise making device, be it a horn, a whistle, you know, just in case you get lost, you're in the middle of the night, something to make noise, say, Hey, we're here. We need help. You know, the horn just to let people, you know, if you're passing mm-hmm. somebody, you know, they'll say, hey, you know, I'm on your starboard or I'm on your port. Right. And those are the main things. you got to have a light, right? You said a light, right? Isn't there supposed to be a light? Well, yeah, you got your nav lights on your boat, nav light, which yeah. those are, we don't only really check at night if we're doing boat patrol at night. Okay. Because otherwise it wouldn't be too visible. It wouldn't be visible yeah. anyway, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's a nighttime yeah. requirement. Okay. Um. Are there any other things as far as the the holiday coming up that that people need to know and need to be aware of as we get close to the holiday? But with you know we're still up I think about two feet right or so. How does so, that how does how does that change like the shoreline or or whatever? Yeah, and so what that'll do is you know you come up about two feet that'll cover up stuff that you could see before. So there's might be some new obstructions that you can't see anymore. Something you should be looking out for when you're out on the boat. Here at Ufala, does two feet make a big difference? Yeah. Well, it depends on where at the lake because we have a lot of sandy shores and stuff that are kind of flat. And so two feet going up in elevation can cover up a lot of land mm-hmm. versus somewhere like Tank Killer, which is a lot of bluff lines and cliffs and stuff. Two feet, you probably won't see too much difference. Yeah. Okay. So uh, is it? do you guys have a lot of closures right now as far as campgrounds? or? Yeah. Uh as of right now, Porm Landing is closed. We're redoing the water lines there. We have a contract for that getting done. Uh, we have opened it up for the boat ramps for people to use because it's kind of a high-use area for boat ramps mm-hmm. uh, for boat launching. And so we opened that up for the holiday weekend. 
but the camping is still closed down there and because they're working the water line so the water's still non-potable and stuff like that um so so porum is closed porum landing yeah porum landing is closed okay all right to camping as right now and that's not related to high water though that's no, just that's, related to construction yes yeah, related okay. to the contract to do get you, the do you have any high water related closures right now that you're aware of no we don't because we're only about two feet up we don't really close any campsites until we're about four feet up i believe okay four or five i think five feet it's when we start closing a couple sites because the electric pedestals start getting underwater Um, I really appreciate your time, Josh. What is there anything that that I haven't asked you that I probably should have asked you that had given you an opportunity to to let people know about as we approach the the holiday? No, you've done a pretty good job in asking a lot of questions, a lot of good questions. Um, I just like to emphasize, you know, go out there, have fun, but be safe when doing it. Always wear your life jacket, even if you're not required to, you know. Adults specifically should be wearing it because something could happen to you and we want everybody to be able to come home safe, you know, come back to your kids, not have them ask, you know, why didn't daddy come out of the water or something like that. But thank you so much for your time, Josh, and um, for telling us about your experience and, and putting out that word of caution about water safety and, and, you know, even whether you're at our, our lakes or, in your own swimming pool for that matter, right? Thank you for joining us for Corestruction. Corestruction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Public Affairs Office. To learn more about the Tulsa District, visit www.swt.usace.army.mil. Corestruction is a production of the Tulsa District Public Affairs Office. This episode of Construction was brought to you by the Lake Eufaula Project Office. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. <music>